first time I met uh, Bill Shear, it was in a competitive softball game. When I say competitive, what I mean is it was competitive. This was a league. We would fly guys in for tournaments. The tournaments would go three days at, at length. It was uh, it was a wild time, and, and uh, we were both younger, and Bill had just become a follower of Christ and was at a Bible college, and I was helping that uh, particular ministry do their television and media and all that sort of thing. We met, hit it off, been friends ever since, and uh, Bill started a church called Guts, which fits the way he played baseball, rugby, and life. It's called Guts. This is a Brave Men podcast. I'm Paul Cole with uh, Christian Men's Network, and with me is our producer, Chris Shields. And Chris, this guy, you know, you've met him. You've yes. been around him. You know what his thing is like. Yes. Well, that's why he does everything. A hundred percent. It just balls out. Yes. Right? Well, so and just, the, let's or, do this thing. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I'm um, looking on his website right now, and I love, you know, the introduction to his website. It says, if you don't quit, you win. This yeah. statement is unmistakably the character characterizes the life of Bill Shear, or Pastor yeah. Bill Shear, yeah, totally. and that's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. Even yeah, yeah. from interacting with them, it's like, yep, yeah, that's yeah. him. We're gonna win. Yeah, we're gonna win. And and the way he wins now is he leads uh, men to Christ. Yes, I mean in a passionate way, man. I had him tell the story. This is great. It's a great interview. I had a fantastic time with him, and and we got to talk before and after and all that sort of thing. And then we put this on there and we'll edit it a little bit just to get out of the you know the crazy stuff we got because we we get off i mean this guy uh he gets me fired up yeah i text him and said man every time i talk to you i get fired up i want to go hit something you know and uh but that's what it's like being around men like that and that's why when we talk about brotherhood with christian men's network yes i'm talking about men like this yes guys that lift you up 100 Right? Mm-hmm. 100%. Come on, 100%. say 100%. 100%. And cmn.men, that's where you can find all the tools, resources. Chris, you're going to jump in in the yes. middle of the conversation and give a little thing about this. But uh, but Bill Shear started a church called Guts, and people always ask me, what does it stand for? And, and it's in our conversation. What does it stand for? Well, it stands for Guts. Yes. Right? We're not hiding anything. Yeah. It's out you of the You got to have guts. If you're yeah. going to be a follower of Christ, you need guts, yeah. man. And that's Gird why up you have lawns, to. Let's do this thing. Yeah. And that's why you have to get around guys like that's right. Pastor Bill. You know, and Dude, the reality guy. is you are who you hang around. Oh, man. So yeah, when you so hang around champions, yeah. you know, you yeah. become a it champion. It lifts you up. You know? Yeah. You or, are a reflection or of. Or you can who, still be the Buffalo Bills and still be good. Uh, yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> You're a Seahawks fan. Well, I can't say much because my what Seahawks you gotta, are up. You got nothing to talk about. We're going to live in the history. Hey, you we know, do have something days? to talk about. We've at least won, unlike Buffalo. Well, yeah. We didn't get to. Poor hey, guys, man. Do you I, remember I, the Oilers versus the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, they were up by multiple touchdowns. Let's not do this to the Buffalo friends. <laughs> Our friends in Buffalo. They get so much snow. <laughs> they It gets so cold there. Why yeah. dump anything else on them? Well, right? hey, the truth so is the just, truth. The truth is the truth, but the truth is we love you, Buffalo. <laughs> yes, we love Buffalo. And the fact is they got some of the most passionate fans in all of sports. That's true. Right? So we're going to give it to you there. <laughs> I mean, they've broken, they've jumped on every table in Buffalo. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. And they're- uh, and, and they're still fans. And they're st- they are incredible. <laughs> anyway, so here's the deal. Uh, guts- Guts uh, Church founding pastor Bill Shear. Yes. Thanks for being with us today on Brave Men. Because today, I feel if you'll lean into this, turn this thing up, 
get it in your headset as you're working out, walking, wherever you're at, driving to work. This is going to build you up, stretch you, put you at a new place. Thanks for being with us. Oh, man, I messed that up. Do we keep it or do we edit it? We have to keep it because we can't We keep it? it? (laughs) Dude, man, that's rough. See how how I get treated? All right, we'll keep it. We'll tell David not to edit it out. (laughs) Anyway, hey, hey, this is Bill Shear. He's going to be awesome. Thanks for being with us today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Hey, I'm talking with uh, Bill Shears, the pastor of Guts Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He and his wife, Sandy. Uh, Bill, you're originally out of the St. Louis area, and uh, you lived an exemplary life and so ended up being a pastor. Is that the, kind of the way things happened? Yeah. I don't think I had a misstep. <laughs> you know, my, uh, my first 22 years was probably uh, as dark as it could possibly have been. Wow. And thought I had the world by the tail. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. A fool's right in his own eyes. Yeah. So, so what was the turning point, man? Well, um, it sounds. It sounds. I don't want to make it over overly dramatic, but um, I had a hit called on me, and uh, God delivered me from it. Jesus made Himself real to me, and it just. Everything in my life shifted. Okay, everything shifted, Matt. So in other words, somebody was going to pay to have you killed. Oh yeah. So yeah, the con- the contract was out. And this was this was not as an associate pastor of a church. You no. were you were you were uh, doing uh, stuff. Were you in St. Louis at the time? I was in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. And I I crossed the line. You you don't cross. Okay. And so somebody did that. And uh, what was your reaction at that point? What did you do? For the first time in my life, fear gripped me. Wow. And I drove back to St. Louis, met with my dad, who'd become a Christian. And he said, man, you're a grown man. You've made your bed. You sleep in it. He said, your mom and I have taught you how to live your life. You've chosen another path. Uh, he said, but there's one thing I can do. And I'm telling you, as soon as he said that, I got sick to my stomach. I'm like, are you kidding me for real? And he prayed for me. That was and it. He said, I can pray for you. And you go, oh, man. Yeah. Are you, like, it's just crazy. And so I, I was driving back to Springfield from St. Louis and just outside of St. Louis and decided I was going to I was going to go find that guy and I was, I was going to kill him. Yeah. And. I pull up to the house I lived at and a guy ran out, got in my truck and said, you know, I said, where have you been? Who'd you talk to? I said, nowhere, nobody. He said, where you been? I said, I went, went, I talked to my old man. He said, what did he do? I said, nothing. And, and he said that the guy who called the hit on me and it, there was like a week and a half that I ran from this, this hit. And, uh, he said he called and rescinded the hit and said, he never wants to hear your name again. Wow. And wow. at that moment, Jesus made himself real to me. Wow. I thought, oh, this the this Jesus stuff's real. Wow. Actually, it said something else, but that's that's the but that was the effect of it. So so you go to your dad, they're gonna kill me. He says, I don't know what to do. You, you know, you've been living this life. You no, know, he's a CPA. He's like, I'm an accountant. What do you want me to do? Yeah. And and 
but I'll pray for you. Yeah. And stuff happens right there. And it was sickening, Paul. It was, I could have gotten physically ill. I mean, it was, are you kidding me? And, uh, and it, what that did is, is in that, and, and I think this can help men. That shift happened. I hadn't given my life to the Lord. I was still living in darkness. But that shift, everything in my life, it wasn't flowing like it did before. Mm. It's almost like you outgrow a pair of boots and you pull those boots on and you're like, what happened? Last yeah. time I wore these, they fit. They don't fit anymore. And that's how my life was even before I was a Christian. And then when I gave my life to the Lord, I'm telling you, everything flipped. Everything changed. <laughs> that's that's a pretty dramatic shift. And then from there, you go into a Bible college situation. Yeah, a few weeks later. And the only reason I went is because they told me I couldn't. <laughs> and, and I hadn't been a Christian long enough. I, I mean, I knew nothing. As a matter of fact, you probably knew the dean from at, 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 in, in Dallas, yeah. I worked with yeah. him in Dallas years later. He remembered me, and he, he was probably accurate, but it just ticked me off enough. I thought, well, I'm going. I'm going. I went. The only reason I went is because they told me I couldn't. But what that did is that moved me out of the St. Louis area into Tulsa where I knew nobody. Yeah. So and, you got a new environment, and, and, you cre- and around you became an atmosphere of the Word of God. Everything grows based on the atmosphere it's in. And so you begin to grow strength, health in the spiritual realm. And uh, so where did now your church is called Guts, and that stands yeah. for what? It's what it takes to live for Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's people, it. People ask me that about, about your church. They go, okay, that's an awesome name. What's it stand for? <laughs> you know, like it's like it's an acronym, like a G, U, yeah. you know, T. And uh, I go, well. Actually, it just means guts. Where did that yeah. come from, Bill? No, it's so funny. People people say, man, what does guts mean? I'm like, really? You're asking me that? <laughs> I, today would probably be Fortitude Church or something, but yeah. Yeah, it's just guts. Yeah, resolute guts. Yeah, I love it, though, man. It's got, it's, got, uh, it's got strength and masculinity to it. And the thing is, you started with, uh, you started with just people. You just started leading to Christ. Yeah, we started with six people. Wow. And uh, we'd go out in the street on Friday and Saturday night and and just where, where people were gathering, mostly young people. But we'd go to bars and pool halls and back alleys. And and we our whole target audience were people that didn't like church. You know, we, we'd moved to Tulsa. It's where Sandy and I wanted to raise our kids. Tul- Tulsa at that time in 1992, 1990, 92, was very churched. Yeah. And but then I realized half of Tulsa didn't go to church. And I thought, you know, these people not going to church, it's not because they've never heard. It's because they went and didn't like it or went and didn't connect or went and felt judged or marginalized or whatever. So I thought, let's go after that other 50 percent. So that's what we did. (laughs) You know, so people come in and say, man, this doesn't feel like church. And that was a whether they meant it like that or not, it was a compliment. That was a compliment. You've got uh, three children, uh, two of them there in the ministry with you, son, daughter, and then another daughter whose uh, husband is a, a coach in the National Football League. And so, uh, I mean, really, when you stand back and look at it, 
where you were at when you were 21 and 22 and this thing tipped over and your dad prayed for you. You look back now over the years and see all these things that came out of an accountant dad who, who didn't know a whole lot himself because he, he was, had just been a Christian for a while, right? Right, just a couple of years. Yeah. So now, and all he knows to do is just go, hey, we're going to pray together and God's going to change stuff. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, see, that to me right there is where uh, we, we get so regulated and we get so into, well, we have to do it a certain way or there's three ways to pray for a guy. And for those of us who are uh, listening to you right now, Bill, I'm talking to Bill Shear, pastor of Guts Church, he and his wife, Sandy, they're in Tulsa, but really uh, a man with national and international significance in, in the things that he does. But what you're saying is as a dad, as a guy, I could pray with somebody else over a situation in his life. And what could ripple out of just that simple obedience of praying with somebody is it could change everything. Well, I'll take it a step farther for you. And there might be people watching this thing, and this is heresy. But the Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah. Right? Yep. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'd go out in the street. I still do this. Where I'll, I'll walk up to somebody, and I'll, I won't say, hey, can I pray for you? I won't put my hands on them. But I'll just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. God, I just thank you that your hands on his life. God, I think you're protecting him. You're blessing him. God, you're making his crooked places straight. As a matter of fact, why don't you pray with me? Here, repeat this with me. Father God, I give you my life. I make Jesus the Lord of my life. And, you know, and what's interesting is, and after I get him to confess Jesus, I finish out the prayer and I'm like, okay, man, great. And, but here's, I know that there's people that are smarter than me that have issues with that. But I believe the Bible to be very accurate, very true, verbatim, just absolute. And I, we get them to call upon the name of the Lord. You know, the door of their heart might swing open a little bit. Yeah. And if they look out and see Jesus, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good chance of them getting tipped. Eddie Leo is a pastor who's on our board. You know him. Oh, why you got to bring up Eddie? <laughs> he's, he's, hey, you know, it, you, you're good. You're confident. But Eddie, Eddie was, uh, they asked him, somebody asked him at one of these conferences, he talks about one-on-one -on -one evangelism, and they've built a church of hundreds of thousands of people accepted Christ there in Indonesia. And, and the guy asked him, and you would understand this, and most of us have been in this kind of setting where Eddie says, yeah, we train guys to just go disciple others, talk to others, pray with others. It's called one another lifestyle, Right. And the man asked him, he said, well, how do you track that? And how do you kind of keep track of that? How do you, in other words, how do you kind of keep it in your container? And Eddie just said, we trust Jesus. <laughs> like, Eddie, I'll, I'll tell you, if I, if, if I wouldn't have had my kids, I'd have named all my kids Eddie Leo. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, he's an amazing, amazing oh. man. I, but you've had you had to bring bring him up. I'm trying to I'm trying to inflate everything Eddie. we're doing, and you just minimized everything. No, no, no. I didn't minimize. I just kind of set the balance. Trying <laughs> yeah. to set the balance. But you've had over. You guys have had 150,000 people accept Jesus Christ at Guts Church over yeah. the last couple of decades, three decades, or something like that. We've never had a church service where somebody didn't get saved in really 28 years. 
Goodness. Sundays, Wednesdays, whenever. Now let that, if there's anybody listening right now, pastor, leader, whatever, let that be a challenge. Here's my thing, Bill. We're going into uh, dangerous nations, according to the listing of nations where it's difficult to be a Christian. But I don't, in some ways, I think it's as difficult for a lot of us to be a Christian in downtown Waterloo, Iowa, you know, as it is in in Iran. We're not going to get beat up the same way, but we deal with some of the same stuff. When when you think of missions, because I know you guys have a huge outreach into Haiti, to is it Ganev Island? Yeah, uh, Loganov. Loganov. And uh, you guys have done water wells. I mean, you've been received awards. School, churches, yeah. feeding stations. You're doing that across, and you've done that in Tulsa, too. But my thing, what's, what's that motivation for that? Sometimes we get so, if you will, the word would be myopic. We're sort of like, hey, let me just deal with my, my stuff here, and let me deal with my thing on this street. And I think sometimes we miss the call of God to go disciple nations. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting. When we started the church and I started going to pastor's things, there was somebody who got up and said, listen, churches are like radio stations. You can't try to have every kind of music on that station. You got to pick your style of music. And that, those are the people you go after. And I thought, and, and the way the guy couched it and framed it, it was just so amazing. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what kind of radio station are we? And then I thought, wait a second. I don't want to go into this thinking I'm competitive. I don't want to go into this. That's why you bring up Eddie Leo. Now I gotta, I'm got i going to go crack the whip of my staff. But <laughs> you, you, you say, okay, here, you get, a, you get a sliver of the pie or you get a little piece of the pie. Wait a minute. I want the whole dadgum pie. Yeah. I mean, and, and when we, we look at it, when we try to compartmentalize our lives, and that's what we can do in America. What we can do is we can we can take our and, and yeah, I, I'm not against sabbaticals. I am against us sleepwalking through ministry. Come on, and sleepwalking through our programs and our protocols. Do you understand? If your programs and your protocols and your systems in your church didn't shift and change in 2020, I'm telling you, I think you'll be left <laughs> in the dust. I think we've got to look at this. This is a new day. Yeah. And so much politically and so much economically and so much racially is coming to light. And I believe that's God. Yeah. And and what because I believe all those things are coming against the church now. And so wait a second. They're coming against the church now. Now God's going to defend his church. How? By shedding light on things. See, that's what God does. Let there be light, which means let there be life. Let there be Messiah. Yeah, so, come on. So now that's what we bring to the equation. You know, I'm not dreading 2021 at all. I mean, we're, we're, I've, I've readjusted my objectives and our staff. We're going to make sure, and we're going to make sure we touch every person that comes because the world's trying to make them think that, that they're endangering their lives or other people by gathering together. And I'm not, I'm not meaning this politically, but so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to touch and connect with every person who comes. We're going to park every car. We're going to seat every person. I mean, it's it. We're going to we're going to serve the people that we can serve. You know, it's Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen, I believe that it, it, Paul writes and says, "By the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God, 
then we think about that, the power of the word, the love that we have from God, man, those are, those are clinchers. If, if, if God would have just left it at that, but he, he added the, the, the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, that koinonia, to me, and I'm glad I learned this early in my Christian walk, that koinonia is not just a relationship. Mm. That koinonia is actually partnership. So now what I get to do is I get to partner with the Holy Spirit. I get yeah. to be empowered by the word. I've got the love of God that never fails in my life now. And God has partnered with me. So the whole, so, so God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. There's an inner presence on the inside of me because he's given me his Holy Spirit. But now there's a manifest presence that mm. happens every, I'm just telling you, every time I talk to Paul Cole, there's a manifest presence of God. And, you know, and so it matters. It matters who you listen to. It matters who you're partnered with. It matters where you go to church. All that stuff matters. And you know what? And and hopefully we wake up out of our slumber. Yeah. You know, so the thing is to reach the lost. And that's Jesus came to touch people. We live in a high-tech, low-touch world. And when you touch people's hearts, man, it makes a difference. I want you to tell a story. This is a story. I, I don't want to necessarily say who it was, but. You had a young church planter come to you, and I, I've actually retold the story. I may tell it wrong, but maybe I tell it better. I don't know. But uh, you had a young church planter come to you, and he gave you 40 minutes of all the – and you're a very generous church. You're a very generous man personally, and you want guys to win. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that one of the like the things of Guts Churches? We want you to win? No, help people win. That's our motto. Help people win. So now here comes a young church planner. He sits down with you and he tells you all the different strategies and plans that he's got. And then you, you asked him a question. Yeah. You, you, you remember this story? What's the, yeah. What's the last, what's the name of the last guy you led to the Lord? And he was, he was, it was, in, it was in a, a group of people and it was all church planners and he was pontificating. And let me tell you something. Guy's way smarter than me. I'm telling you, it's, but none of that stuff matters. No, I'm telling you, it's, we've got to be closers. We've got to have an itchy trigger finger when it comes to man is your, I, I was, I was somewhere that we were on, I was, we're on our Harleys and, and these guys were talking about New Year's Eve. I said, you know, I can't tell you the last time I was invited to a New Year's Eve party. And one guy turned, he's been in the church 20 years. He said, he said, Pastor, you're the most confrontive human being I've ever seen in my life. Why would anybody invite you to a New Year's Eve party? And I'm like, oh, that's the problem. Oh, that's I can't deal. help it. Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know the Brave Men podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network Worldwide and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. There is a fresh new study every week called Power of Potential that just started. Monday Night Men is a new resource for men and pastors. As a pastor, you can follow up the 30-minute study with a digital meetup with your men for prayer, discussion, and teaching. Some churches are using the videos as part of a group meetup. This 13-week study is on YouTube and Facebook. Get your books and materials at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. 
It will help us continue to reach the lives of many men around the world if you would like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to this podcast and share it. That's the Christian Men's Network and Paul Lewis Cole. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Pastor Bill Shear. Okay, well, let's let's talk about that. You know, there are personality types, and, and you were uh, like a semi-professional rugby player, right? Like yeah, rugby. I played your, rugby. Yeah, you played rugby. So that, that explains something right there. <laughs> and I'm not talking about how many times you got hit in the head. But going back to that that young man, what you said was name the last guy, and he couldn't name the guy. And for too many of us, it's, yeah, it's sort of this amorphous, well, all these people came to the front, like if you're a pulpit guy, or I was part of this group or whatever. But I think it comes, it came down to what's the guy's name? In other words, what kind of relationship do you have with somebody who's a, a brand new follower of Christ, or is a couple clicks from beco- becoming a follower of Christ, Right. Or then, if he just said a redheaded cowboy, I don't care. Yeah. Just tell me the last person you led to the Lord. I mean, yeah. why are we planting churches if we don't, if we're not soul winners? <laughs> yes. I don't know. I'm not, it, it becomes a, the business of ministry without that. Yeah. Man, Paul, I had a, and, and I, this might be something you could edit out, but I, I, I'm trying to play the game of virtual church. Yeah. Trying to. All right. Even though virtual schools, high school kids are failing in droves because schools are going virtual. Yeah. Okay. So we're thinking we can pull up virtual church. And and trust me, I, I, we have virtual church at guts. No, you guys are good at it. I've watched your service. You got a good, all that stuff. But I had this couple come up to me that said, and I, I was walking down the aisle, leaving after the service and and the woman came up, she's probably 50, and her husband's with me. She said, hi, my name is so-and-so. This is my husband. He's a professional baseball player, and I, he wanted to meet you. And I shook his hand. I met him, and she said, I'm glad I could, I could – can I talk to you sometime? And I said, sure. I, I don't know. It was in the aisle as hordes of people are going each direction. And I, she said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. She said, we just moved into the area to be with uh, near my daughter. We're from this town. We've been in this church, well-known church. For 20 years, and we we moved here at the beginning of last year. The pandemic hit. We couldn't go to church. I started drinking. I became an alcoholic, and I'm in deep depression. And I'm like, okay. And I'm looking. I'm I'm looking all around like I'm a periscope trying to find ministry people to come because here's this woman that just kind of bore her soul. Wow. So at that time, we had a we had a guest lunch that we have the first Sunday of every month for people to meet me and Sandy. Yeah. And I said, man, you just you guys want to go to lunch? And I said, come on. And I think they met some time. I, they thought I meant some time. But I took them down to that lunch. And now they've been in the church now for six or seven weeks. They're there every Sunday. But the point is, is that if we're not connecting with people, we're, the, the Bible says that the, the word of God's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And, and, and God's given gifts unto man. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, we all come to the to the unity of the faith. But yeah. where every joint supplies, let me tell you, every time, hopefully, you watch this podcast with Paul, the, the connection you have with him and the joint you have with him supplies in your life. Come on. Come on. 
Well, and that's it. It is it's uh, one another, and it's it's uh, it's grace. You know, one of the things that that I've been talking to men and friends about recently is about the power of forgiveness. And it's what we've pushed away in this nation, because what we did in pushing away the cross, we pushed away grace. And we've become a nation that's, that's, we've put ourselves under law. Law always demands justice and justice unrequited becomes vengeance or rage. And that's why people are just, just killing each other on Facebook and whatever, or in the streets of Minneapolis or wherever it may be. And, and, uh, but grace always produces forgiveness. Forgiveness, the outworking of forgiveness in, in grace is brotherhood. And all of a sudden we have, yeah. you know, here's the deal. I'll go down, you know, my grandkids, you've got uh, six grandkids, another one on the way. Congratulations. And they're, yeah. they're all four and under. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just crazy. <laughs> So when I go down, you know, I went to a basketball game the other day. My One of my grandsons is playing basketball. And, and we go down there, and I'm sitting with people, and we're talking, we're chatting, whatever. I'm not asking this guy, hey, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Are you independent? Or, you know, what's your political thing? I'm not asking him if he's, you know, buying into this or that or whatever. I'm going like, hey, is that your kid or your, you know, it's his grandson out there or whatever. We're chatting about that stuff. You know what? Most people are actually – wanting and desiring neighbors. They actually want community. And before God was anything else, he was God in community. In fact, the church has what people are looking for, and they're looking everywhere for it. And I think sometimes our uh, myopia has pushed them away. Well, it it keeps us in relation. The best kept secret in the world is the church. That's right. Man, that is so true. Now, now, Sandy, when she married you, she was marrying a preacher? No, I coached football. You know, yeah. when I met you, I was coaching football. Yeah. And I, but she, she knew the ministry call yeah. that we carried. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing for guys watching. It's, it's not me or my, it's we. And yeah. I'll tell you, because, and Paul can tell you this, Sandy's the glue. Yeah, You know, I can get people's attention, but I'm going to polarize people. Sandy's going to, Sandy's the, makes everything cohesive, makes everything in our church sticky. Yeah. She's the, she's the balm, the balm of Gilead. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's not just the glue. She's the, she's the assuaging agent. And freaking tough as nails too. <laughs> well, you know, it's, well, that's it. That's where that comes from. And it's always, the strength is always inside. And the stronger men is on the inside, the more right. gracious on the outside. Right. And it's guys, it's guys you know. You're around professional uh, football, baseball players, and so forth, and guys that are just freaky athletes. And you know, the man who knows who he is on the inside is actually can be more gracious on the outside. Too many men want an outer strength in order to prove themselves, and all they're doing is covering up what's on the inside that's weak. Oh yeah. Yeah, which, which that cover-up's frail. Because I'll tell you, cowardice is going to shine. It's going to get out. Yeah, we'll find out eventually, won't we? That's exactly right. Yeah, so uh, Guts Church, uh, talking with Bill Shear with Guts Church, and we're talking about reaching people who don't know Christ, and it's everybody, everybody is one of those, was one of those, and knows somebody, and I, I heard somebody uh, recently say this. He said, uh, 
He said there's there's only two kinds of people. There's those who are followers of Christ and those who soon will be. Yeah, I love that. Right. And I really love that because it changes how you look at your neighbors, your neighborhood, the guy behind you who always, always throwing trash over the fence and that sort of thing. It's just a guy that's a couple clicks away from becoming a follower of Christ. And so my role is to help that person towards that. And really, it comes back to uh, Philip and Nathaniel in John chapter one, where, uh, well, it's kind of funny because Jesus, it's first of all, and this is where we are with going after dangerous nations, is that it says that Jesus went and found Philip. In other words, yeah. the Spirit of God is always is always there looking, pulling, wanting, desiring relationship with people. So it says that Jesus found Philip, and then it says that Philip goes to his brother and goes, hey, dude, we found him. <laughs> we found him. It's so human. It's like, and I found the guy. You know the Messiah? Like everybody's been talking about? Yeah, I found him. <laughs> I found him. But the beauty of Philip, even with all his, whatever his stuff was at that point, his guyness, is he said something that's so powerful, and that was uh, come and see. Yeah. And then the next thing is his mom in the sec next chapter, in chapter two of John, when she says, whatever he says to do, do that to the servants at the wedding. It's come and see. And, and Jesus even said it when he said, uh, follow me. His follow me wasn't just, hey, just get in line behind me. His follow me in John 1, somewhere there in the middle, is, is more like a, hey, come hang out. Be with me. Check this atmosphere out. Sense this spirit. See what this does in you. So his follow me is be with me. Come and see. And that's all we're doing because I trust Jesus to do the other thing because it, people don't, men don't come to faith by information, it's by revelation. Right. And so, and then the next thing is, is what Mary said to the servants when she says, whatever he says to do, do that. Right. And then the last thing he says, hey, go and make disciples, you know, do Jesus stuff. And I read an article recently, Bill. It's, it was an incredible article. It was a secular magazine, secular writer. Seems to me it was the New York Times. And it was right after a man we know who was a pastor, well-known pastor, had it come out that he had uh, uh, sin in his life, that became very public and very damaging to him and his church. And the writer, the secular writer, wrote, said, all I really wanted from this man is that he would be what he said he was, a follower of Christ, even if I didn't believe in it. Because as a as a as a agnostic, I just expect church yeah. to do church stuff. I I want to know that's there. And I thought it was fascinating because I thought he was speaking for a lot of people. They just want to know that you care and that, hey, I'll pray for your kid. And in fact, I'll do it right now because I know you guys are dealing with some stuff, right? Whether it's Absolutely. a neighbor, I mean, I, I pray with a neighbor. In fact, he was the neighbor who sued our homeowners association. And uh, so it's like nobody's talking to the guy, but I'm talking to the guy because he's my neighbor. And we're talking one day and he says, yeah, my son, and he started talking about an issue his son had. I go, you know, if you don't mind, let's like pray with you right now over that guy. He's like, yeah, because everybody believes, even if they don't necessarily believe that you're actually connecting with God. They believe in some sort of prayer thing, right? 
And uh, I'd like to say, you know, lightning came and all this stuff happened. But the fact is, it it shifted a little bit his interactions with everyone. And when they moved, there was no like, you know, big thing. It was just, and I think people, you know, that when you talk about praying with that guy, yeah, uh, and you talk about your dad praying with you, man, I come back to that right there. To me, that that little fulcrum point of your dad praying with you has brought life to hundreds of thousands of people, has brought water wells to people who would be dead, has brought food programs in the middle of Tulsa, in the middle of food deserts, fed thousand people a week for years, uh, has taken tens of thousands of people through that thing you do for Halloween. What's that deal called? Nightmare. Nightmare. Unbelievable. Like you have a whole building that's dedicated to, to like yeah. scaring the hell out of people, right? Let's we'll scare the hell out of you. That's right. Scare Jesus in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I about, fear. So, dude, think about this, man. Think about your dad who's an accountant who, who doesn't know all the stuff yet because he doesn't have all the right words necessarily because I can pray for you, son. Yeah. And that prayer changed the course of history for a million people. Two that's million. a hero. That's that's a real dad, man. Gosh, that thing, that hits me really hard right there. Because too often, Bill, we we get all these things about what I'm going to do as a dad, and we don't do it. And then we start feeling guilt. And then the shame thing, crap, hits us. And, you know, Don Murin's a friend of mine who wrote a book years ago about church life in the 80s. We were talking about the seeker church model, and, and not necessarily in a negative way. But he said the issue today is, as with the seeker thing, is as most men aren't seekers, they're runners. Yeah. And I heard Brene Brown talk about it the other day. She said, men run from vulnerability and shame. And I thought about Adam, guilt, fear, and hiding, and what it produces. And uh, a simple prayer with somebody, like you said, just opens it. Just that just that crack, man. Just that, that thing, a simple prayer, a simple word of kindness. You know, we don't, it's like, it's just like people that are working in a restaurant we're in. We don't know what kind of world they're living through. And you know, and, and you've had the same opportunity that we've had. Sometimes you engage, and all of a sudden, there's this moment where you say, "What is what has been happening with you?" And all of a sudden, you find out about their kid, and she's a single mom, and da 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 da. All this, right? Yeah, we don't know, man. We don't know about the person next to us, and what we do know is that we're carriers of God's grace and the power and anointing of His Holy Spirit. And uh, Bill Shear, God's partner with the Spirit. Sorry. Partners with the spirit. Partners. Yeah. I like that. Guts Church, uh, Bill Shear. And uh, so is what's the website? Guts Church? Uh, gutschurch.com. Yeah, gutschurch.com. And G-U-T-S. Yeah. And uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you don't, if uh, and then I know you guys have online stuff and whatever, and I know you in-person meetings. So anybody in that area. And I know you have missions things that people can be involved in. And, you know, post-COVID, this stuff, we'll get past whatever this is that happens. But what I thank God for are people like yourself, Bill, who are forward-thinking. You already have moved into a hybrid world, in-person, online, new openings, fresh stuff. 
getting people fired up. And most of all, I thank God that you're still just fired up about reaching people for Christ. You know, the Bible says, uh, whosoever will may come. And I think the world's full of whosoever's. That's right. And just a bunch of whosoever's, man. And a bunch of guys who, uh, for the most part, once they get past about 40, have just decided it's just not going to happen for me. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm like an ideologue, I think, you know, where yeah. it's, and when, a, when Bin Laden got killed, my thought was, man, I hope somebody prayed with him. Yeah. You know, I mean, because Jesus said simply, man, love your enemies. Yeah. Man, if, the, if we as a church, if we as neighbors just did that, oh, my gosh. We're, we're so, man, the, the, the world would be flocking to get around us. Yeah. Yeah. Most, most people are still living an eye for an eye. <laughs> well, yeah. That's a, that's a, law. And law demands that's justice. That's a gone covenant. Listen, here's the deal. Justice that comes out of grace, every time God, because the Bible says 1 John 1, 9, it says if you, if, you're faith, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. So God is a God of justice. He's a God of faithfulness. Faithfulness is out of his DNA and justice out of his character. And so, but justice, every time God used justice, it was always about someone's health. When he wiped out the Amalekites, it was the health for his, his loved ones family. Every time he was just with someone, in other words, discipline, it was for that man's health and for his family's health. And that's the difference. Justice that comes out of law becomes vengeance, and it's about eye for an eye. But justice that comes out of grace is always about the health of the one that we're focused on and the health of the community, always about health. And that's that's a word of grace. So, Man, good stuff. Gutschurch.com. Bill, it's always a blessing. I always get fired up talking to you, man. And um, uh, so I just, you know, pray. I know you and Sandy just have an incredible vision, not only for the church, but for the, the city you live in, the state of Oklahoma, uh, for the nation. You have impact in the leaders and places of leadership. And so we pray every place you put your feet will be holy ground, Bill, and everything your hands touch will prosper. And that God will keep you, I mean, gripped within the fountain of his grace and favor. In Jesus' name. You're a joy, brother. You're awesome, Bill. Wow, what a phenomenal story. I just love Pastor Bill Shear and his story. And just the way he talks about it, you know. And that's why here at Christian Men's Network, we believe not one man is beyond the reach of God's grace. Yeah, no kidding, Chris. You know, it's uh, when you see Bill's life and when he said it got real dark real quick. Yeah. I'm like, man, that's pretty dark when somebody's chasing you and, and they're going to kill you. And you go, hey, dad. And you show up at your dad's house. Yes. First of all, so that's humbling. Yes. You got nowhere else to go. And you show up at your dad's house and dad says, well, son, all I can do pray for you it's like dude <laughs> really what the hell is that yeah, man? for real I mean, it's like you know, uh <laughs> yeah uh, man i'm telling you that that change of life and what i like about bill what i love about this man is he's after the next generation yes and that's what we do with the global fatherhood initiative which is part of christian men's network 
And that's why uh, we're so ramped up on the Dangerous Nations campaign. Yes. One of the things that Johnny Moore put in his book, and he'll be in a future podcast, is um, is uh, the economic issues of our culture is what, and then the despondency, the hopelessness, and all these radical organizations are uh, recruiting young men because of that. Yeah. And they don't know Christ. Yep. So the Dangerous Nations campaign of the Christian Men's Network is going into those nations i mean most of them we can't go physically yeah so we've got this whole media outreach that's why we're building a new studio yes we're sitting in a room right now that's sort of a temporary little thing while they finish all the whatever they're doing yeah all the ducting and all the the soundproofing and stuff but but the reason we're doing all that is to reach young men in the next generation in places like iran and thailand and uh, in the toughest places, the cartel areas of Colombia, uh, places that we're going, Nigeria, northern Nigeria, you know, you and I can't go there. Yeah. But we can train pastors and leaders of how to disciple men. And how do you change a nation, Chris? You change a nation by discipling a man. By discipling men. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I love what we're doing, too. Come on, man. Because I, it just makes me think of Isaiah 60. And in Isaiah 60, it talks about how in the darkest times is when God's children will shine the brightest. And this is our season to shine the brightest. You know, hope is alive. Hope has a name and hope's name is Jesus. That's good, man. I like that. Yeah. Some guy guy I I hang out with quite a lot. Yeah, let me write that that down. (laughs) Do you know every day around the world, check this out, every 180 minutes a Christian is killed for his faith. Wow. And now that's squeezing what Johnny Moore told me the other day, and it'll be on our podcast is uh, I think episode 77. Yes. 75 with Bill, Pastor Bill, is uh, he said, man, that's squeezing. It's happening faster. There's more guys being killed for their faith. That's why I love Bill Shear, because his name of his church is Guts. Yes. Or Pastor Joel Brooks, who's on our board at Christian Men's Network, who renamed his church two years ago, Stones. Wow. And I said, uh, Stones, you mean like David Stone? He goes, well, it could be that. (laughs) (laughs) He said, you know, what mean you these stones? You know, were hand, you know, Hebrews were shaped and fitted. He's the cornerstone. Yes. He said, that's what it means for, you know, in general public. He said, but for my men, it means, bro, you got to have stones, man. Exactly. If you're going to be a follower of Christ. Yes. You know that every single day, more than 25 churches or Christian buildings are uh, attacked. Wow. And ISIS and, and uh, the Fulani militants and all those guys, Boko Haram, all the groups around the world, they're recruiting over almost 100 young men a day Wow! into their ranks. Have you ever seen one of those recruiting uh, videos? I haven't. From ISIS? It's like uh, while you, you know, talking about us in the West, while you are asleep in your beds, we are training in the desert. Wow. While you are, you know, whatever it is, grabbing ice cream, we are fasting for seven days for our faith. And like it's a call to manhood. And so what they're doing, they're taking disenfranchised young men and saying, hey, here's a call upward. And you and I know that the true call upward is the call of Christ. Amen. Right? Because their call upward is a false call. Yes. And it's going to end up in their destruction. Yes. So uh, the Dangerous Nations campaign, cmn.men, Dangerous Nations, you'll find us from here on, you know, basically February the 1st of 2021, launching the public conversation. We talked about it, launched it in November of 2020. 
Yeah. We've got a task force that's been meeting. And now it's like, and now we've got the Farsi translation of Maximize Manhood. We're going to take that into different nations. Chris, this thing's going to be stout, man. Yeah, and it's great because we are answering the Great Commission. Come on, bro. What God called us to do, go and disciple nations. And you have the honor and the privilege, just like we do, to be a part of this life-changing, world-changing mission, initiative. You know, so don't miss out on this opportunity. Yeah. We need you. We need you. We can't do this on our own. Every single person listening, man, if you want to get into something that's an adventure, yes, that's um, we're going into the dark places carrying the light, go to cmn.men, sign up, get get the on the email list. We'll be sending you uh, tools, uh, stories of what's happening. Mike May down in Houston is, uh, in fact, he's working on a story right now about one of the uh, one of the top pimps in Houston. Wow! That had all these girls working for him, and uh, I mean victims, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a bad guy, and he's a big guy. His name's Oscar. A big guy. He goes, yeah, my friends and I we used to beat up guys just for fun. I'm like, dude. <laughs> and uh, so this guy, bad news, man. Yeah. And his son asked him one day, hey, dad, what do you do for a living? Wow. And it struck him in his heart, man, because he knew the right thing. He had a praying grandmother, all this stuff, right? So he goes down to, he goes, I don't know, I, I got to do something. And he asked a friend, hey, man, you know where to go? You know, like, I, I need a church. He goes, there's that big one that has the sports arena, <laughs> Lakewood Church. <laughs> yes. So he goes down there, he gets radically saved, gets in the men, men's group with uh, Bruce Gibbons and, and uh John Bowman and all the guys yeah. begins being discipled, radically changed his life. Now he's got a whole bunch of people to work for him, but it's a t-shirt company. Wow. And they've got he's got other businesses. He was an entrepreneur. Yes. That was his gift. Yes. And he's still doing it. Yes. It's just now it's Sanctified. doing for the glory of God. Man. Yes. So we've got stories like that happening. And then we'll have stories from Uganda, uh, Indonesia, about uh, how many people who are followers of Islam who are now become followers of Christ. Yeah. And see, you have the perfect opportunity. You know from everything that we're sharing right now that there's somebody that is mm. in a place where they're like, man, I know that there's more to life than what I've been doing. Yeah. And this is the perfect opportunity for you to share this podcast and to share this opportunity for them to be a part Come of on, something man. bigger than themselves. Because that is the destiny and the purpose of our lives, to get bigger than ourselves. And what better way than joining in on what we're doing here at the Christian Men's Network? Yeah, the, the website is cmn.men. If you want to write to us, you can write to uh, Paul at cmn.men. That's me. Yes. Can't they write to Chris? Yes, Chris at cmn.men. Okay, you got to get all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Yeah, and you're single. Should I mention Wow. That? Yeah. Well, I guess so I can't take that back a, right now. You got a sister, a niece, somebody. Yes, but the... Photos first. Yes. Is that... No, not photos first. What? How does she pray? Come on, bro. That's serious right there. <laughs> yes, how does she pray? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, and so, uh, CMN.men. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you, Bill Shear. Guts yes, Church. thank you. What an amazing group of people. If you need a, a church to go to that's going to stir you up, put you on a new level, I know uh, Pastor Bill Shear is starting a Maximize Manhood class here in a couple weeks at Guts Church in Tulsa. That's a place to be. Yes. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Uh, remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Come on, Chris. You're good, man. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. 
Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.